Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Came across an article, it was 25 original titles for movies, and the article was written by uh, Brianna Ziegler for Stacker website, but they gave 25 original titles and their final movie titles. And so I'm going to give Biggs here the original title and also give you the year it was it came out. Okay. So kind of give you an idea where where we're going and you got to try and guess the actual final title. So I think we talked about this very very briefly outside. Some of them are the original title and some of them are the working titles so that they didn't have to pay extra money, right? Yeah, it's like like for example, when Star Wars was going to to make movies, they had working titles that were not the name of the movie because they knew people were going to like quadruple their prices or whatever for yeah, using just blow up the local prices of stuff just at the local uh, food market or whatever just because they know Star Wars filming in town we better make our money off these guys yeah the old Star Wars part two <laughs> all right and some of these are original titles like the would be like the screenplay and then it was adapted into the, and okay. then change the title for the movie so the first one is 1942 everybody comes to Rick's Everybody comes to Rick's. That has to be Casablanca. That is correct. Yeah, because Casablanca takes place at a bar, and it's definitely a 40s movie. So, <laughs> yeah. Sweet. We're off on, on the right foot yeah. here. All right. So, we're going to skip ahead to 1959. Okay. And title is Not Tonight, Josephine. Not Tonight, Josephine. Okay. It almost sounds jazz-influenced. Yes. Because and I'm thinking like... I'm thinking like Josephine Baker. This is a Marilyn Monroe joint. <sighs> is it Some Like It Hot? It is Some Like It Hot. Sweet, because that, that might be the only Marilyn Monroe movie I know. All right. We're moving forward to 1968. How the Solar System Was Won. 68. I wonder if that's Planet of the Apes. No. Mm. There are apes in this movie. 2001 A Space Odyssey? That is correct. Nice. <laughs> yeah, because you got the apes on the obelisk yeah. beginning, right? Yeah. yeah. I've seen the first half hour of 2001. I really need to actually watch that whole yeah, movie. Yeah, you do. Like, yeah. it's it's I, surprisingly holds up really well. Yeah, I was full of some piss and vinegar the first time I tried to watch it, but I was also like a shitty stone, like 23-year-old. Like, it's time to revisit, I think. Yeah. Going to 1977. The Tribal Rights of the New Saturday Night. <laughs> is it Saturday Night Fever? It is Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> I was immediately going to say Star Wars until you gave the title of the movie. <laughs> it also came out the same year as Star Wars. That's why. Yeah, it was that 77 like ring in my ears. All right. 1979, Star Beast. Oh, that's Alien. Yeah, uh, I almost bought the screenplay for Star Beast. And then I saw the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then I decided to get it for you. Yeah. But I, that's how I knew it was actually the actual script for Alien was it said Star Beast. And I was like, oh, that actually is what it's purported to be because who does that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who prints out the script and, like, fucking makes it look old as shit yeah. just to, like, I don't know. And it wasn't like it was that much money either. So. Yeah. So, 1982, do androids dream of electric sheep? That is Blade Runner, sir. That is correct. Fuck, dude. I'm killing this so far. Forward a year to 1983 with Blue Harvest. Oh, that is uh, Return of the Jedi. Yes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. 1985, we got the lunch brunch. Is that the Breakfast Club? That is the Breakfast Club. Fuck yeah, dude. These are all just close enough where I can guess them. I like this. Uh, you'll get the next one, too. 1986, The Body. Oh, Stand By Me. Yeah, that, that was the uh, the title of the novella by Stephen King. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, there was a whole thing behind that. They're like, oh, we don't want to like be a horror. We don't want to say this is a horror movie. Because Stephen King was known for horror movies. Yeah, and let's be honest. The Body is a terrible name for the movie. I know that they're going to see a body, but, like, 
It's just a fucking terrible name. And, yeah, then, it's... and then you get the right feeling by calling it Stand By Me because it invokes that Ben E. King Stand By Me song, which is in the movie. Right. And it's like, oh, like it gives you that feeling of like nostalgia, which is what that movie is all about. You know, even though, did you know that song? Do you know what it's about? No. So Benny King didn't write it. And I, or maybe he did. Whoever wrote it, his father was a preacher. And that song is about the book of Revelations. Like it's about the end times. Like I always thought it was like a love song, the way it's sung. But you listen to it like it fucking it, for real, dude. When you hear the song, you're like, oh, no, that is about the book of Revelations. Once once you hear that, you can't unhear it because it's like the mountains crumble into the sea and all that. Like, I won't be afraid. No, I won't shed a tear. Like, it's fucking about the end of the world. dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts, dude. So one of, one of the few things I'll chalk up to Christianity making the world a better place. <laughs> Just one of the few. All right. 1988. Twins. Oh, God. My my answer was going to be twins, but that doesn't sound right now. Um, 88. 88. So it's not Total Recall. That's because Total Recall is like 1990. Shit. Okay. We'll say I missed this one, but can you give me a hint? All right. Carl would appreciate this movie. Does that mean it's Cronenberg? It is a Cronenberg movie. Okay. Fuck, man. I'm drawing. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is in a Cronenberg movie? He plays the twins. I have no idea. Dead Ringers. Dude, I don't know anything about this movie. (laughs) I've I've heard the title before. I didn't even know that was a Cronenberg movie. Okay. All right. So. Yeah, I was never going to get that one. (laughs) 1989. Paradox. Paradox. 89. Well, Back to the Future is 85. Uh, back to the future two back to the future three you were right the first time back to the future two it is back to the future two there was seriously four years between those movies yeah wow it felt like nothing when i was a kid i mean it probably felt like forever but like it it seems like those movies came out like year after year yeah it compresses in my memory i know part three definitely came out the next year so yeah all right jumping into the 90s with 1990 3,000. Is it Total Recall? Nope. <laughs> okay. Not even the right genre. Not even the right genre. So it's not sci-fi? No. 3,000. Most people would probably put this in rom-com. Okay. Fuck. Dude, I have no idea. Pretty Woman. I... <laughs> okay. I finally watched Pretty Woman, which was the last two-thirds of it. Where's the 3,000 thing coming That's from? That's how much Richard Gere's character pays her for the okay. week. Okay. All right. Okay. I see it now. Yeah, I had no chance. I I mean, he was already paying her by the point I, I caught that movie. So yeah, didn't realize Jason Alexander was in it until I started watching. I was like, yeah. holy shit. All right. Later, 1990, Wise Guy. That has to be Goodfellas. That is Goodfellas. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's based off of the book Wise Guy. So yeah, 1991. We've got Johnny Utah. Oh, that's a uh, um uh oh fuck, dude. The Keanu Reeves Patrick Swayze movie. Yep. Um, god damn it. Why that's am what, I so what Tony Cart Tony Stark calls uh, <laughs> Thor? Yeah. No, I I know the re- <laughs> I know the movie. I know the reference. Uh, uh, I'll keep, okay. Point Break. There you go. I kept wanting to say Gross Point Blank, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Going to 1994, The Real World. It threw me off because of the uh, MTV thing there. That is actually the reason why they changed it. Okay. Is it is it the basketball one? No. So it's not Hoop Dreams. The Real World. Oh, Reality Bites? That's correct. Okay, got it. Got it. This took me a minute. Yeah, so... Uh, Real World premiered in 92, which was after the screenplay was written, but since the show was on the air, they had to change it. Should be noted about that because Ben Stiller helped write it or fine-tune the screenplay or something. I think it was a big book before that. Ethan Hawke's character was designed to seem like an asshole in it. He was supposed to be the example of like what not to do in that Winona Ryder's character made a huge mistake. And that was not how I took it in high school. And then found out later, like rewatched it. And I was like, fuck, that guy's such a dick. Why did I want to be like that guy? Because I really <laughs> did watch it. Like I want to be like that guy. 
And apparently our entire generation, all of Gen X, like wanted to be <laughs> Ethan Hawke in that movie. And <laughs> yeah. Ben Stiller was horrified because he realized he fucked up something in the movie because you're supposed to see when she turns away from his character, she's making a bad decision. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like audiences are going to take away what they take away from it, right? Yeah. Another movie from 1994, Black Mask. Black Mask. I almost want to say Pulp Fiction because it's 94, but that can't be right. Is it Mask? Nope. The Mask? Nope. You were actually on the right track. I, it, it, was, it Pulp Fiction? It was Pulp Fiction. Okay. <laughs> Where did they get Black Mask from? Uh, Quentin Tarantino had the title on it, and it was basically an homage to crime fiction from the 1930s and 40s. Okay. I guess the Gimp's got a black mask, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the Gimp was way more important than we realized. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 1996. Scary movie. Oh, that's Scream. <laughs> yeah, which is funny. Yeah, I, I actually knew that story. They literally named Scary Movie, which the first one was a parody of Scream. They named it because it was a working title, a scream, and they thought that was perfect for a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, August of 1999, we've got teenage sex comedy that can ma be made for under $10 million <laughs> that your reader will love but the executive will hate. I think I've heard this story and it's American Pie. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard the director talking about it on this podcast, Blank Check, which has Griffin Davis who does Orco on Masters of the Universe, which somehow we skipped over that second season. I haven't watched it Or the second yet. part of the season. It's really good. But um, – what was he mentioned that at a certain point because they brought up the American Pie thing because they were of the age where like American Pie is like one of their movies they watch when they were teenagers, right? Yeah, like, like it was sort of in the zeitgeist already. I think we were like around 20 when American Pie came out, but yeah, late teens because it was like 99, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think I was like 20 when it came out, but anyway. What was really funny about it was they were talking about this other movie that had all these ridiculous sex scenes and the director was just talking it down and there's this like really long beat and then Griffin Davis is like, you mean like American Pie? And the guy's like, I forgot I made that. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to make it. You got saddled with it because <laughs> he was a new director. All right. 1999, while American Pie is in still in the theater – by the way, great movie year. 99, yeah. it's one of the all-timers. Yeah, this one actually has three movies from 1999 on this list. Okay. Is Fight Club one of the answers? No. Okay, just checking. This movie is Dairy Queens. Dairy Queens. Dairy Queens. Okay, let's think here. Has that got something to do with milk? Has it got something to do with fast food restaurants? What the fuck? Dairy Queens. It takes place in the upper Midwest. In the upper Midwest. Is it? No, Fargo's older than that. Um, is it a Christopher Guest movie? No, I don't think so. I have no idea. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> and that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, because it's about beauty queens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and DQ displays prominently in that movie. <laughs> that movie is great because it's got Ellen Barkin is like Kirsten Dunst's mother. Like Kirsten Dunst is a beauty queen. I think she's one, one of the only pure ones. Like there's a lot of awful people in it. Written by one of the writers of The Simpsons, uh, their first female writer. And she did the beauty pageant episode for Lisa. Like somebody else was doing the episode at first and they didn't know their way in. And she explained it. And they were like, you should write the episode. And she hated it because it like drudged up. All these bad memories she had because she had to do all this stuff. And they were like, dude, this is really, really good. Like, you should just write the whole episode. So she did. And even though it felt traumatic for her doing it, she realized, like, there's a movie script here. And so when she pitched it to James L. Brooks, he was like, yes. And, like, he produced it right away. And it's hilarious. But uh, Ellen Barkin is, like, the mother of Kirsten Dunst in it. It's just this awful person. <laughs> and she's always got, like, a can of Coors Light in her hand. And there's a beauty queen who's, like, killing other beauty queens. I think it's, like, Denise Richards' character yeah, is, like, killing so. all the other ones. And when the bomb goes off, Ellen Barkin is in the outer area of the blast radius and so a beer can fuses to her hand so the rest of the movie she's got this like charred black like hand that's just fused to this beer can it's so fucking funny dude yeah that movie is underrated genius 
I'm shocked we did not do it for box office battle. <laughs> that movie is fucking gold, dude. Yeah. Um, last one from 1999 is Take It Like a Man. Take It Like a Man. Hmm. Take It Like a Man. Man, I have no idea. Boys Don't Cry. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think I ever would have come up with that one, though. But that absolutely makes sense. All right. Moving forward to 2006, we got Red Sun, Black Sand. Red Sun, Black Sand. Which <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. Is, is it like a war movie? Yes. Is it Black Hawk Down? No. Clint Eastwood movie. Shit, I don't know. Letters from Iwo Jima. Oh, never saw it. That that makes sense, though, just yeah. like the Red Sun part. So I was trying to think of Japan, and I just could not come up with any Japan World War II movies from there. All right. 2008, Slusho. Was it Gummo? Nope. Slusho. Oh, election was 99. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of, like, throwing the Slurpee onto the fucking car. <laughs> uh, Slusho. Slusho. I have no idea. Cloverfield. Where did they get Slusho from? It was like a Slurpee stand-in, and that was like their fictional product. And I don't like it. I think that was just a working title for that movie. Okay. Pretty good movie, got to say. Like, that one's pretty good. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane is even better. You know, I don't think I've seen any of the Cloverfield it's, movies. It's the best acting that John Goodman has ever done. And 10 Cloverfield Lane just so tangentially relates to Cloverfield that, like, you don't even need to see the first one. It's really fucking good. I don't want to give it away because it does a thing and then it turns into a different thing. So it's just better if you go in not knowing what the things are. All right. Moving forward to 2016. Story of your life. 2016. Story of your life. Is it a biopic? No. Story of your life. Man, I don't know. It is a sci-fi movie about aliens. What fucking sci-fi movies were out five years ago? <laughs> God damn, that feels like an eternity. because <laughs> twenty. It's weird, man. Like the farther away this was, it was easier. And the closer it gets, the harder it is for me. What fucking alien movies were out five years ago? Story and I know you. I know you've seen this because you've edited a movie like podcast <laughs> for it. Was it for a Cosmic Void? No. Was it for Real Roulette? No, it was for uh, um, Aaron's podcast. Oh, Alien Movie Project. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Ah, fuck. I don't know. Arrival. Oh yeah, I didn't see Arrival, so that's why I'm like confused on it. It's uh, one of those ones I mean to watch, but I know it's like kind of a intellectual movie so i just haven't gotten around to watching it yet because i always feel like i have to like be in a certain place to watch movies like that or oscar season yeah. <laughs> all right the last one's from 2019 decalomania 2019 yep decalomania decalomania how do you spell that decal like sticker omania is it ford versus ferrari no this one actually won best picture one best. Okay. Okay. Fuck. Cause you just like, <laughs> you just up the stakes now. So I got to remember. Okay. So it's not last year, clearly. Cause that's 20. That would be 2021. 2020. But it would have been the previous year. It would have been for the previous year. So maybe it is the one that won last year. Uh, what fucking won last year? I can't even remember now. <laughs> We've uh, talked about this movie quite a bit. Is it Parasite? It's Parasite. Decalomania? <laughs> Decalomania. What? I I don't I, like <laughs> and I, I still like I read the description for it and I'm like, this still doesn't make sense. So it wasn't last year, it was the year before. Yeah. That's I realized you were getting a parasite when you said that, but what well, fucking one last year, dude? This year this year has been so fucking long I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> God, what is wrong with me? I can't even remember one what one best picture. Like I was semi covering that race. I don't remember. Okay, so here is the description of why, like the how it came about. So the decalomania came from the concept in fine art called decalomania, in which an image is created with ink and folded over so as reflected to the other side, but isn't identical. Okay, All so right, it that reflects makes sense. the two families. They look similar and identical, but they're not. That makes sense to me. God, I got to remember what that movie is. It's going to drive me crazy if I don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was uh, our new Marvel director, Zoe. Uh, 
um, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Now I can't remember last name. <laughs> it was Nomadland. That's what it was. It's because like it was kind of a blah best picture. It's nothing against it. Like it was, it was good. It was good, but it was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of boring. Yeah. And I, like it doesn't stick out. Like Parasite stuck out to me. Like Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, Parasite is good. Parasite might be our best picture winner we've had in, in a long fucking time. Yeah. Get Out should have won Best Picture, but since it didn't win, Parasite's probably my favorite Best Picture winner of the 2000s. I don't know. I'd have to go through it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to go through it, but it's one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years for sure. I got a little uh, Bond game. Okay. And so these are a list of Bond cameos, and I'll give you the actor, and you'll have to guess which movie they're from. (sighs) This could be tough. Okay. All right. I'm willing to play. All right. So. Do I get to mix and match or? <laughs> no, I just have to guess. You just have to guess. Okay. So we're going to start out with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. I'm going to guess that's in the Las Vegas one. So fuck, which one is that? Hold on. It's I think that's the one with Telly Savalas playing Blofeld. I'm pretty sure it's a Roger Moore era. Oh, God damn it. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Sean Connery? Yeah, it's Sean Connery. All right, Diamonds Are Forever. That is correct. Yes, I got there. It took me a minute. Yeah, I started to realize, like, wait a second. Blofeld was in a Sean Connery one. All right, David Harbour. David Harbour. All right, so we are talking Mr. Stranger Things. Mr. Stranger Things, yes. Theoretically, it should be the newest one, but he's been an actor for a long time. But considering I would have no idea for any of them before that, I'm just going to say No Time to Die. That is incorrect. It is Quantum of Solace. Fuck. Yeah. So before he was a known quantity, I guess. Rosamund- is that really a cameo or is he just a guy in it? You know what I mean? Like he's not famous at that no, point. No, but it's like, I mean. I mean I, yeah. I get, I get so, it. This is semantics. It's a really. cameo in the same way that Mini-Me is a cameo in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like now it looks like a cameo, but at the time nobody knew who the fuck Vern Troyer was because yeah. Austin Powers hadn't come out. And even if it had, he's in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. Hmm. It's got to be a Craig era. It's got to be. Um, man, I'm going to say Skyfall. No, this one actually goes back uh, before Daniel Craig. It's a Pierce Brosnan. It's a Pierce huh? Brosnan. Die another day. Damn it. The last Brosnan. So I'm what, one for three right now? Are you keeping track of me? Yeah. Okay. So we got Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren was in a Bond movie? Yes, he was. I had no fucking idea. <laughs> All right. And I've seen these all of these stills, so I, I can verify that. Yeah, that's fine. Just, yeah. It's surprising. All right. I'm going to say it's probably pre-Rocky Four, So I'm going to go with one of Moore's 80s run. Hmm. Let's see. We got View to Kill. We got uh, Octopussy. Uh, that's all I uh, – wait. Yeah, that's all I can come up with for the 80s. I'll say Octopussy. Oh, you were so close. It was a view to a kill. The 80s. Is... Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Mini Driver. Mini Driver. Has to be. Okay. If she's young in it, like if she's really young, maybe, maybe Timothy Dalton. But I'm guessing it's probably a Brosnan one. So let me think here. Goldeneye doesn't really seem like any locations that would go to an Irish person. Um. Tomorrow Never Dies, I'm going to come back to because all I can remember is China. And I know there's other locations to that one. Pfft, world's Not Enough. Cannot remember any of the locations <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but they usually like to get, like, up-and-coming girls. And I'm trying to think, like, Goodwill Hunting was, like, what, 95? Yeah. 90, or maybe before. Maybe 97. I'm going to say Tomorrow Never Dies. Nope. Goldeneye. God damn she it. was uh, Zarko- one of Zarkovsky's girls. She has the red hat and yells at Zarkovsky. Fuck. <laughs> so they had an Irish actress playing a Chinese or a Russian. playing a Russian. Awesome. Yep. yep. God damn it. <laughs> so I'm like what? One for four at this point. One for five. Jesus Christ. All right. All right. Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler was in a Bond movie. <laughs> okay. I don't remember hearing about it, so it's probably before 300. 
Yep. Okay. So, fuck. I'm just... World's not enough. Nope. Tomorrow never dies. God damn it. <laughs> I, everyone I have been off on, I've been off by one movie over and over again. Like I'm trying to triangulate, but I can't quite get there. That's because all the Bond movies are the same. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are. <laughs> all right. Alfonso Coron. I'm trying to think of who that even is. He's the director of... Uh, Gravity, like, Oscar-winning director. Was he an actor before, or was he just doing a cameo? He just did a cameo. God damn it. <laughs> Do you have any doubles of movies on there? Yes. Quantum of Solace. That is correct. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that one just popped into my head, and I was like, I'm going to go with it. So, got number two there. Madonna. Oh, that's easy. That's, uh, guess I'll die another day. I'll die. That is correct. Another day. Richard Branson. Mm. Skyfall? No, 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 no. He's in the other one. Uh, he's in the, the one in Mexico at the beginning. Spectre. That is incorrect. God damn it. Casino Royale. Fuck. All right. <laughs> well, I finally broke my streak of like losing by one movie. That was two. <laughs> All right. So Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro was in a Bond movie. Okay. All right. There was a Brazen one that was in Mexico. And this is assuming that, like, he's playing a Mexican, which is probably a really big assumption. <laughs> That's a huge, I mean, we already established <laughs> an Irish woman playing a, a Russian in this list. So, so I, I'm trying to remember. Brazen's first one was, holy crap, I am, like, blanking on Brazen movies. But did I say Brazen? I meant Dalton. What the fuck? All right. There was License to Kill, and there was another one. Fuck it. All right. So it's either License to Kill or Spectre. <sighs> Spectre was getting kind of goofy, and that was in Mexico for part of it. I'm going to go Spectre. That is incorrect. It is Quantum of Solace. God damn it. <laughs> so the backstory, both Alfonso Cuaron and Guillermo del Toro were both, like, asked to be, like, in just, like, a cameo in it. By the director of Quantum of Solace. Okay. I'm not good at the cameo game unless they're very, very obvious about the cameo, which sometimes Bond is, but we're not really hitting these. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is like, actually, this was pulled off of a list of people you didn't know were in Bond movies. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so already it's hard. Yeah. And then the last one is Wolf Blitzer. Oh, I'm going to go Tomorrow Never Dies. Incorrect. Fuck. Skyfall. God damn it. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer is the inciting incident in Skyfall. Fuck, dude. That is a hard fucking list, man. Yeah. I just thought it would be fun to just like. Also, it was interesting. Like, really? Like, they actually, the Rosamund Pike and Madonna were in the same scene. Yeah, like Rosamund Pike was around a long time, but she wasn't really, really famous until Gone Girl. Like that's when yeah. she like breaks out, but she was around for a long time before that. So that was the one I got the biggest chills on because it's just like I have no fucking context for how long she's even been around Hollywood. Like I just had no idea. Yeah. Because like Gone Girl, I feel like she's in her like 40s at that point because they're like pairing her up against Affleck, right? And so I'm just like, God damn, dude, that's like... That's probably like 20 or so years of Bond movies. It was just a little too much for me. And then anything after that, too. So, fuck. Yeah, dude. she looks in the still that I saw. She looks like she's late 20s. And then Madonna doesn't look like a, a really old woman, but it's so, older. Like, she's probably 45, 50 at that point. My one critique of that list, the only critique I have is the Madonna one on there. Because I think if you've seen that movie, there's no way you don't know Madonna's in that movie. Right. Like, if you've seen that movie, you remember her awful, like, cameo oh. in the movie. And you remember that she had one of the worst Bond songs in the movie. And I like Madonna, so don't get me wrong. But, like, that song is fucking god-awful. And, like, if you've seen that movie, you know intrinsically Madonna's in it. You just do. So that's the one that I would take off. And I would replace it with somebody else, you know? But whatever. I didn't make the list. And it was pretty fucking hard all the same. Yeah. I mean, I only got like, what, two right? Two right. Out of how many? Eleven. Holy fuck. I just lost my license to kill. <laughs>
there is a change.org petition to build a Deadpool statue. It has 640 signatures as of the afternoon we're recording this. It basically says, in 2016, Deadpool declared he was from the city that rhymes with fun, Regina, Saskatchewan. It's canon now. No takesies, backsies. We humbly petition the powers that be to apply maximum effort in the creation and installation of a Deadpool statue in Regina. We want to commemorate the cinematic achievements of this Canadian comic book hero and invite people from around the world to make the pilgrimage to see the statue and truly experience Regina. This is a great idea. You know this, like years now, I am a fan of when they do fictional characters as statues around towns, right? So some examples I got here, we've got a Superman statue in Metropolis, Illinois, right? Because it's Metropolis. (laughs) Robocop, this is my favorite one. This took years to pull off. They built one in Detroit, Michigan. In Baker Street, London, they got Sherlock Holmes. That's pretty cool. In Philadelphia, they have the Rocky statue by that library sometimes sometimes they pull it down sometimes they put it back up Paddington Bear is in Paddington Station in London because London just can't get enough fictional characters uh, Dick Tracy is in Naperville Illinois Popeye is in Chester Illinois Robot Maria so that's the robot from um, uh, Metropolis Metropolis yes and that is in Babelberg, Germany. Godzilla is in Tokyo, Japan. I wonder how big that one is. I hope it's the scale. There's no way it's the scale, There's no right? Way it's scale. <laughs> uh, Darth Vader is in Odessa, Ukraine, which is a cool story behind that. They were pulling down communist figures that had statues, and so they decided to put up that one as like a ridiculous like answer, like, "Hey, look, it's this imperialistic person that was in charge." And then Charlie Brown and Snoopy are in Santa Rosa, California. Now, I say, why stop there? Of course, we got the Fonz one, right? Somewhere in, what, Wisconsin or something, the bronze Fonz. That's got to be, isn't that up in... Milwaukee? Sure. I've got some suggestions here. And if you got any suggestions, I'm willing to hear it. But I even thought to take the time to think of where to place them. So the first one I got can be debatable where it's placed, but Homer Simpson. I was thinking Springfield, Oregon, because like Absolutely. Matt Greening's from Oregon. And Springfield is a shithole, and it could fucking use like an <laughs> attraction. But really, you could put it in any Springfield in the United States. There's one in every state. There might be multiple. But it's definitely Oregon. Yeah, I think it should be. There's a city called Varanasia in India, which is where people go to die. Like people who are seeking death go to that city. So I think we should put a Ned Stark statue up there because Sean Bean, dude. You know what I mean? And that was the most shocking of the deaths. So why not Why not do a Game of Thrones thing in India, right? Indiana Jones? Jonesboro, Indiana. Come on, dude. That's perfect, right? Like, I like it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dracula? Hey, Louisiana, you got a town called Transylvania. Why not have your Dracula statue there, right? I'm for it. Yeah, cash in on this. Silicon Valley, you need a statue of Hal. Just a big red button that lets you know everything you're doing big is a mistake. Big all-seeing eye. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> Zudaneo, Mexico. I think they should have a red and Andy Dufresne statue there. Him like working on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> standing the boat. And like, and then you can have like him out of a bus window on the other end. And it just says, I hope. Like, <laughs> Axel Foley. You should get one in Beverly Hills, California. You'll never be able to go and see it. So maybe you could get some real estate by uh, Robocop in Detroit. If you get Michigan, it like right, right along the highway that goes through because they won't let you into Beverly Hills. Maybe we should put in Detroit. He is from Detroit, right? Uh, I got one for you. Okay. Des Moines, Iowa. You need Captain Kurt. Nice. Yeah, he's from Des Moines. That makes sense to me. I like that. Jules Winfield. So we're talking about Samuel L. Jackson's character in from Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, Knoxville, Tennessee in front of Inskip Grill. So that is Quentin Tarantino's hometown, and that's the restaurant that has the hula burger. Like, they're all over in different restaurants, but I think we can assume that's probably the one that he's referring to. Wilmington, Delaware. I want a statue of Tyler Durden there because that's where Fight Club is supposed to take place, but they couldn't use the city name. And I want it in front of any corporate coffee house. Right in front of Citibank. (laughs) That works too. But I was thinking like a coffee house so that at some point it could be round, maybe sitting on a boulder or something, and somebody can blow it up so it goes through the coffee shop at some point. Like that's when you're ready to take it down, right? 
take it all down. And then the last one I have is for Natasha Romanoff and Clinton Barton. I want them to have a statue in Budapest. Budapest? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just making them back Widow Joe. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I don't know. They say both. <laughs> God, there's got to be more. I mean, I came up with 10. I did that, the heavy that's, lifting that's on this That's pretty one. good there. <laughs> I mean, I had other ones that weren't as funny, like Sam Malone in Boston, Mass. Maybe a Frasier statue in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> you could have him in front of a radio station. It just says, I'm listening on the base of this. You got to have Spider-Man in Queens. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely could. You could have him in front of the World Trade Center because I don't know if you knew this, but he helped Dr. Doom clear rubble and then he gave some blood. It was in the September 11th issue. Never forget the September 11th issue of, of Spider-Man. Good guy, that Spider-Man. Okay, got a segment with Carl here. The National Film Registry just put up a list for 2021 for what they're entering into it. And so I what just... What is this thing? This is movies going into the National Film Registry. Yeah, what's the National Film Registry? So the National Film Registry is this big museum that is... Just like collecting... Movies that are important for history? Yes. So these movies are going to be from all time periods? Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. And they pick stuff that's important to movies, like things that help push the medium forward typically in some way. And so it was started by a lot of the 70s directors and then the basically like producers, directors, uh, people who make a living off of. Do they add the same number of movies every year? Um, I don't know. I don't know. How many did they add this they year? They added 25 this year. Okay. They add a bunch every year, but it's like it's from all time periods. There's not like a, you get this amount of time before we squeeze something in. <laughs> so uh, this has been going, I believe, since the late 90s they started doing it. Okay. And it was started by all the 70s guys, but it's they've had an open registry for like people to come in so right i can't tell you exactly what the membership is but so these are the movies in chronological order that they added for when they were released so some of these we're going to know a little something about some of them were not uh the first one is ringling brothers parade film which was 1902 okay. which i know nothing about but 1902 like yeah that many tells movies. me enough that i don't need to know anymore yeah it was a ringling brothers thing it would have to be a short must have been some circus, just a circus performance of some kind. Probably, yeah. And then the next one is Jubilio, which was 1919. So this is around where we start to get features. Jubilio? Jubilio. That sounds like, uh, uh, is that a prequel to Jiggly? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is The Flying Ace, 1926. Uh, airplanes. Uh, you think it was hi historically important because it was like the first time they showed Airplanes? They had like airplanes in a movie yeah, or when something? Yeah, when did the Wright brothers like – After this. Flying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the, before the, this, I mean. <laughs> I like the idea that it was after this. They like saw this. <laughs> they saw the like, movie. They were like, yeah, there's something we can do here. <laughs> uh, Hellbound Train, 1930. Is that the train coming at – No. I, I just wish the next one had been automobiles, like planes, <laughs> yeah. trains, and automobiles. Uh, Flowers and Trees, 1932. Ooh, that one sounds exciting. Okay, now we're getting to one I actually know. Strangers on a Train, 1951. So Hitchcock. That's, yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two strangers on a train. They have reason to murder people. So, yeah, they, they decide to murder each other's That way person. they have an alibi for their suspects and their own murders, but they have alibis because they did each other's murders. Yes. Perfect crime. Based on a true life story about two uh, kids that thought they were that murdered their classmate in an attempt to commit the perfect crime and obviously it was not the perfect crime because we know they about got it caught. <laughs> yeah i think ultimately the biggest flaw in any perfect crime is that it's committed by a human who eventually has to brag about it 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> dude did you know i committed the perfect crime and now it's not the perfect crime <laughs> Uh, number seven, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane from 1962. I've heard this title. I honestly don't know what it is. Do you think Baby Jane's a real baby was a real baby? It sounds like it, it doesn't sounds It sounds like it was one of – maybe that's like the first based on a true story. <laughs> before this, Before this, all of our movies were based on books. Yeah. 
or the clan. <laughs> we certainly got or some they movies were, based or off they of were them. military propaganda. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm betting the Flying Ace was probably yeah. a propaganda, like the World propaganda. War One movie. Uh, Evergreen, 1965. Another. What's up with every, flowers and trees? Evergreen. Yeah. What's up with that? It's really, really in uh, season. Smell conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Requiem 29 from 1970. I know Don't nothing know about nothing. it. Yeah. Uh, the Murder of Fred Hampton from 1971. Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton. That name rings a bell for some weird reason. I wonder if he lived in the Hamptons. Maybe the Hamptons was named after him. I don't know. I thought he was that guy that like was a real dick in his town. And then everybody like and then somebody finally got fed up and just like killed him in broad daylight in front of everybody. And the whole town was just like. We didn't see nothing because they all hated him so much. Dude, let's go with that. I like that. That's a good plot for a movie. Are you looking this up? Go ahead on the next one. Okay, this next one is one that I think you're going to know a thing or two about. Pink Flamingos from 1972. John Hughes. Waters. Waters. I always get those two mixed up. (laughs) And I don't even like John Hughes, and I like John Waters. Yeah. I dressed up as John Waters for my one of my best friend's weddings the other day. Dude, it was amazing. It was was a lot of fun, dude. I did the creep. (laughs) John Hughes definitely deserves to be on the registry. Yeah. Even though like his movies are a bit difficult to watch because they can be kind of gross. And, uh, and low this one, and bad taste. Doesn't this one have like uh, like somebody eating dog feces? Yeah, and they ate it for they were real dog feces. They yep. ate them. It's pretty gross. Um, it's a it's a drag queen named who was Is kind like of a Desiree or something, something like that. that. D- yeah, I forget her name, but I remember she always has like super bright blue eyeshadow and like really really big eyebrows. Like I know, I know what she looks like. I just can't remember her name. So, real quick, Fred Hampton was a member of the Black Panthers. He was murdered. Oh fuck! So, I just watched that, a movie on him. <laughs> I don't want to like. I don't want to like take away from what he did <laughs> or his. Dude, I don't want to uh, like mix him up with that other guy that actually sucked a whole lot. This guy didn't suck. <laughs> yeah, no, I watched a really good movie on him. Uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. That's about Fred Hampton. He founded the Rainbow Coalition. Okay. It was like an alliance of the Black Panthers, the Young Patriots, and the Young Lords. The Black Panthers organized poor black people. The Young Patriots organized poor white people. And the Young Lords organized Hispanics. And he he brought them together to uh, – and he started – formed an alliance among major Chicago street games, gangs to help them end infighting. So definitely not that other guy that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> this guy seems like he was – Tr- trying to actually do some real good. So yeah. let's not take that away from Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we apologize. Uh, Sounder from 1972. The Long Goodbye from 73, which I've heard of, but don't know why I've heard of it. Switch that one out with Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what I keep thinking when Shing I start to boom. read it. Cooley High from 75. Never heard of it. Me neither. Now, this one I know intricately. Richard Pryor Live in Concert, 1979. Okay. That's the one where Richard Pryor stops using the n-word like he makes it a point in a stand-up bit and he talks about going to africa and he's not seeing anybody there that fits that description right and then he just starts to realize that we're all people like it's this really profound moment in a very funny stand-up thing which also talks about him catching his hair on fire when he's smoking (laughs) coke so (laughs) it's like it's really well played and i remember hearing a story years after prior died who is the guy on Chappelle's show who used to uh, – Paul Mooney. So Paul Mooney helped write a lot of Richard Pryor's stand-up bits, and he helped write this one. And he said in an interview after Pryor died that when Pryor came up with that whole story, that was his way of being like, the N-word makes white people really uncomfortable when I use it, and I want to do better like in my movies and so forth. So I'm going to retire the word, and so I'm going to come up with an excuse to retire the word, so I'm going to come up with this whole story. <laughs> so that was Paul Mooney who helped write a stand-up bit saying that. So I tend to believe Paul Mooney does and take away from the power of the story. It's really good. Um, and also a story that maybe Dave Chappelle could stand to hear yeah. right now. Yeah. In his, you know, like with him fighting and it's like, and then hit one of his biggest in- influences literally did the exact opposite of what Dave Chappelle is arguing. I will say Mooney 
did not take the opinion of like I agree with Richard Pryor on this. He was oh, that's... poking a hole in the legend a little bit when he was telling the story. I, I should I should say that. So if he heard the story from Paul Mooney, it was probably not in the light you would hope you, you would hear it. In. That's that's <laughs> yeah, that makes sense actually. Chicana from 1979. I, I don't know anything about that. Nope. Uh, the Wobblies 1979. Here's one we know. Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, 1983. I'm assuming the f- four and five are already in the registry. <laughs> I know the first one is for sure. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Well, about... well actually, well, the third here was the thing in? with the first one. I don't think it is in there because, and maybe this has changed since I last researched it, but they refused because Lucas would not give an original print. He would only give the special edition print. <laughs> and part of like... <laughs> To, like, get in this registry, they take the print and they preserve it. Right. So they're like, no, this is a thing from the 90s. We want the original thing. And Lucas refused because he had at least one print that was in (laughs) perfect condition. precious. (laughs) Not that. I don't want people to watch this old movie. I don't want this one to be preserved. I want the thing that I changed it to to be preserved. Wrong. Yeah. Fuck so you, I'm George. wondering if this is the original <laughs> print or not. You know, along those lines, uh, I've heard that um, that Brad Pitt can't watch 12 Monkeys because he can't he hates his own performance. And that makes me really sad because that's like my favorite so Brad Pitt character that he's ever done. And I'm just like, you really don't like that performance? You, you think you could have done better than that? <laughs> I don't think like, this is his best performance, but my favorite performance is in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just love that character. I thought you were going to say Meet Joe Black. No, <laughs> I haven't actually seen like, Meet Joe Black. The way he ping-pongs off all those cars at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he so gets good. hit by like three cars <laughs> in one motion. His body just like CGI bounces from car to car. It's terrible. Okay, this is And a- she's like literally like look back and then she is like walking away blissfully as he's bouncing <laughs> up all this car. <laughs> okay, this is one that we definitely know of. Hackers. A, a Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. Damn it. That's, it's, Come on, it's, hackers. It feels weird that it's in this list, but it makes sense. No, I, I don't think it's weird. It's going. It's historically relevant. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, that's one of the big tentpole horror movies. It, like, it's, fan, it's fantastic. Uh, okay, this is my favorite one of the list. Okay. 1984 as well. The Fly. Stop making sense. Oh, the Talking score. Heads movie. It's so fucking dude, good. It dude. is the best live concert DV, like movie ever made. Yes, yeah, so agreed. well cut. It flows. It's like the perfect. It's like you are attending the perfect concert. Yeah, it really is. Just like so fucking good. And I don't know if that. If it is, is it one single concert from beginning it's to end two. that are Jonathan like spliced Demi, together? Yeah, Jonathan Demi filmed it twice. Yeah, and so and I, spliced together all the best bits. Yes, yeah. but it's so they did full the exact same. They and, did the same show for both of them. But right. Yeah, I think whenever possible, they ju- he just used the better take. Yeah, and it may not even be the performance that was better. It might just be like the cameras hit them better with the lighting or whatever. Right. right. Like all those things you can't really account for when you're when you're on a stage. Age and you're kind of performing to music and it might be different from night to night, especially with David like, Byrne. I can't imagine. Who knows what David Byrne does night to I night? I can't imagine that there are any individual songs that have footage from two different nights, but I would imagine that like they would take the best, the best full cut of each song. I think that's what he on did. On the set yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah. But man, so good. Like all the, all the changes, the way the set builds at the beginning with where it's just him and then it's like him and his bassist and then they bring out the drums and then they bring out the keyboards and the backup singers and like each song builds on the last one until the whole band is there and then the concert is a third of the yeah, way and that's, through. And that's a way <laughs> of them bringing in that one because the Talking Heads without David Byrne, they were fucking around in the studio that one time and they did that one song that's like... Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I, uh, I don't that's know. the Tom Tom Club, and yes. that is a uh, that is another band that the drummer and Tina Weymouth and guitarist were in together. That is separate. Yeah, and they were just fucking around in the studio because for whatever reason David Byrne couldn't make it that day, and they wound up recording an entire album and having a hit. Yeah, but it was never a band they were going to tour on or anything. It nope. was just a thing they did as a lark. So they were able to like incorporate that single into the performance by building it 
that way. It's smart because it's a way of keeping the whole band happy and like keeping the crowd no, happy no, that for hap- hearing that but song. But that song comes on later and it allows for David Byrne to do a costume Oh, change. you're right. That is later. When he goes into the big suit. <laughs> yeah. But like the first song is right. Psycho Killer and it's just David Byrne by himself with like, oh, we've got a tape I want to play for you. You know, and he like puts the boom box down on the stage and hits play. And That's it's just right. a drum yeah. track, kind of a cheap drum track. And then he starts playing guitar. And then Tina Weymouth comes out and she and they do Heaven. And she's like, because her bass is so prominently featured in that song that they just do bass and guitar, I think. And he just plays his guitar still, maybe. Did you know that Anyways. Heaven is a bar in New York? Like that, that he's singing about a bar that he used to frequent in New York. That makes sense. Yeah, when you hear that heaven is a place where nothing ever happens, like yeah. he's just talking about a bar where that's boring. It's like a dead <laughs> an empty happens. bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, number 21, Who Killed Vincent Chin? That's from 87. I don't. Not familiar. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Watermelon Woman from 96. I don't also know. Also, not that familiar. Is. Yeah. Uh, Selena from 97. I know what this is, I but I've never it. seen it. Yeah. yeah, that's the one about Selena, right? So yeah. So that's like a biopic. Yeah. Eh. I don't know. I I will say historically relevant, probably because it's a good an a, a a good depiction, maybe of the woman. Or I and know. I will say, every female in my family who's older than me or around my age loves that movie. Like yeah. it's one of their favorite movies. Was so. that Salma Hayek? I don't know. I no, I it's don't, not. I don't it's know because I've never seen it. <laughs> she might be in it though. Uh, the Lord just of the Oh, sorry. Just because it's like a movie about Latinos, and she was. <laughs> Latino at the time that was in. That's enough for Hollywood. In yeah. fact, you don't even have to be Latino to put you in the lead. <laughs> oh, Jennifer Lopez was in. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Lopez. Jennifer Lopez, Edward James Olmos are the two mains. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. That's the right one to put in there. I'm sure they'll eventually put in all three, but yeah. that's the really good one. That was the one I saw it in the theater and I could not believe it. And I went to go see it two more times, like by myself. Yeah, it was really like, good. I loved it's it. It's the best one. Yeah. And uh, I, man, I still haven't even watched any of those fucking Hobbit movies. I just can't bring myself to do they're it. They're not I can't worth it. Bring yeah. myself to do it. It's not okay what they did with that. It's the. It's shorter. It's like less than half of the length of any of the other books that were a single movie for an entire one of those books and they made it three fucking movies like the audacity of that is just like over the line market zero well peter jackson am i the only one that hasn't gone crazy <laughs> peter jackson has redeemed himself am i wrong am i wrong <laughs> you're uh, supposed to say you're not wrong walter you're just an asshole <laughs> that's right i couldn't remember the lie <laughs> Uh, and from 2008, the 25th movie I had that they put in. die face down in the muck. <laughs> oh, okay. I was talking about this with Aaron Donaldson the other night. So uh, he was talking about John Milius because they're doing Red Dawn for a way future. Like they're way, way fucking ahead on Real War Project. And when this comes out, it will still probably be way ahead. But uh, he's doing Red Dawn. And so I was bringing up that John Milius was the basis for John Goodman's portrayal of uh the character in the big lebowski like that's supposed to be john milius like he patterned himself after it and the script is written because the coen brothers knew john milius and he would just read soldier of fortune magazines all the time and be obsessed with vietnam and people who didn't know better thought he fought in vietnam but no he just talked as if he was in vietnam (laughs) the dude's kind of fucking nuts um and then the final one here is from 2008 wally so that's a pretty good one, man. Like that, that. Wow. And it's almost never seen it. It's almost kind of a silent film through most of it. Not all of it, but most of it is just two robots interacting. Yep. And so you don't get a lot of chatter. You do when you hear the humans, but like even the stuff the robots say to each other, it's like interchangeable. You don't need any of it. So right. it's like they definitely are doing everything visually. And I think it kind of puts a shot in the arm for what you can do with animation at that point. Cause animation is just grown by leaps and bounds, you know, in the last like 15, 20 years, I think. And Wally's definitely a big part of that. I think that opens up part of a lot of um, 
people's minds where they're just like, hey, look at what they did. I bet I can do something different with this. You yeah. know, that's how you get like an end of the Spider-Verse yeah. like movie where they're just like, yeah, we're going to fucking break all these rules of animation. We're going to make it look like comic book pages at certain parts with the fucking ink blotches that nobody really wanted on their pages. But we're just going to incorporate it into our movie to make it look cool and feel like a comic. Like I feel like all of that stuff is kind of those those movies that like push the boundaries that like try something even though it shouldn't work and then just becomes this giant success. So yeah, those are the movies. New I I agree with the ones I knew. I know. noticed that what didn't make it on there Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And you know why? You know why? I'll because tell you why. This I'll tell you why. Put out because before the movie was released. No. no. The real reason <laughs> this and this is an evergreen. This reason because because Steven Spielberg cares so much about respecting Latin language and not subtitling the Latin speaking because he doesn't want his movie to be ethnocentric. (laughs) And yet every single song that is in this movie is in the Western tuning system of whatever A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You mean like Latin music? No, I'm saying that the tunings are Western tunings. Isn't all the... Latino music, Western music. I'm just saying it's ethnocentric <laughs> to to not use alternate tunings in your songs. Sondheim, rest in peace. <laughs> one of the greatest fucking musicians of our of our our time. He didn't like West Side Story. Sondheim didn't. Yeah, famously you did know, not like West Side Story. Do you know Story. what Sondheim did like? Assassins. He liked Team America, and he voted for it. Oh, yeah, I heard that in the Oscars. And he was angry that it didn't get, that it didn't win. But his, he was the mentor of the guy that wrote Rent. And I think he thought that joke about everybody has AIDS, the musical, was a pretty funny joke. I got to say. It was a pretty funny joke. I do have to say, um, keep in mind, I, I lived in Montana slash Olympia, like it was right around the time I moved to Olympia when we were watching this movie on heavy repeat. And I was the only person I knew who had any frame of reference for what rent was at the time because the movie hadn't come out. It like it was more of a thing where like if you were into Broadway, you might know about it. But right. I didn't know anybody's into Broadway. And I happened to see an HBO production that they did of it. And so I knew what rent was. And I was the only one who got that joke. Aww. Like I would explain it to people like, no, no. They're making fun of a very specific musical. <laughs> hey, speaking of musicals, you know what's a weird thing that happens in my brain is that I have this weird thing where I just assume for some reason that every single musical on Broadway came out like decades before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. Like they just – just by nature, all musicals feel old as shit. What? Like so wicked, did you think, did you old. Think- Wicked is like Hold old. On. I want to see how far this goes. Did you think Hamilton came out? No, that's okay. So point? there's two. There's okay. There's three. There's okay. three that I know didn't come out a hundred years. Spider Man into the Spider Man into the dark. <laughs> Fucking uh, the the Lion Hamilton. King. Oh no, I didn't even think. I forgot about the Lion King. But uh, and then uh, uh, there's one other one. But anyways, like. The cats old as fuck. Cats came out in the hundred years I ago. A hundred years ago. But it was actually I the eighties. Like <laughs> they all came out a hundred million years ago, it feels like. Like before I was born. It feels like that's it feels like every single musical came out before I was born. It is it does Phantom feel of like, the Opera came out before I was born. But in reality did not because it was like <laughs> mid eighties. I know. Well, it, I was two though. But right. like but still, before I was before I was sentient, fully sentient, you know, like it just feels like, and it's just, and so I, that's like a caricature of musicals is that they're older than me, all of it's weird, <laughs> and I know they're not. I know they're yeah. not. They can't. Oh, the the third one that I was thinking was Book of Mormon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That Which makes I'm surprised. Like it's a shame that. Uh, because if Sondheim and those guys had actually done a Broadway musical together, I think it would probably have been one of the best Broadway musicals of all time. I mean, as it stands, they made one of the best Broadway musicals of all time. 
Certainly. But my mom went to go see it in Great Britain and fucking loved it. Like she was going to London to visit uh, for like a like a month in the summer. And she was part a big part of her trip was to go see the Book of Mormon. She was very excited about it. And it's so funny because like I've seen all of Trey Parker and Matt Stone stuff. That's not that. And she's only seen that. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like we have this like weird thing where it's like we both respect the people. But I honestly can't reasons. even imagine what else from their filmography that you could show her that she would appreciate. Um, I'm not sure what. Honestly, at the time, if I had shown her Team America, I think she would have like laughed so hard. That she would have like been coughing. She would have been laughing so hard. Like my mom is. uh, She's pretty cool. Yeah. And she definitely doesn't have a hard time jumping with the new thing. Like she's. You've talked about your dad with like his musical taste. His adaptability. Yes. My mom is the same way with movies. Like she can adapt with just about any kind of movie. It's gotten to a point now where like I feel weird about watching parts of Team America because of like how the culture has moved for the better in certain ways where it like just does not come off well. Like, uh, I'm so roary, like that whole song. Like it's, I just cannot laugh at it. Yeah. I mean, it's ostensibly, it's a joke specifically about Kim Jong-un, but it's making fun of an entire group of people in the process. So it doesn't really come off too well. I think of all of the movies of theirs, the one of the ones that has like stayed with me is like consistently held together, held up. It's friggin' basketball. I really I, like friggin' basketball. I love that, but they're just starring it. They didn't actually write any of it. It, well, it was so written by good. the guys who did like Airplane and Naked but Gun. But they, they like, they execute it well, oh, is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's executed very well. And there's a reason why those two were chosen for that. Right. Movie. Like, if anyone was going to take the torch from the Zuckers. Yeah, you're right. The Zucker brothers. I was trying to yeah. remember who they were. Yeah. Uh, and they're not like gold by any means they're they're pretty hit and miss to be honest yeah but but uh, i would be shocked if i found out that airplane was not in the national i was just gonna say it should be in there because that was like the first time they just said throw every joke at the wall dude they have okay (laughs) i heard this story about airplane so there's tina fey learned how to do comedy from those guys there's that's 30 rock is like also the new uh, airplane, airplane, yeah. There's Just this every TV joke movie at the wall. that they were playing with, where um, basically there's this plot of this TV movie where I think they're in like a submarine or something, and they're eating chicken or fish, and everybody who has the fish gets violently ill and it's a big plot point and they took that fucking plot from this tv movie that nobody ever saw and explicitly put it all over their movie because they thought that was so funny like and it's like nobody even knows what they're parodying and they didn't care because they just thought it was so funny like yeah they definitely had a time where they were fucking hitting i hope they're in the national film registry yeah (laughs) for just like at least that one i even think they're love the naked gun but oj simpson kind of honestly i think they're mostly misses the Zuckers oh, are, yeah, yeah. but what hits hits good. Yeah, like even like Top the stuff, Secret was great. Some of the stuff that doesn't age super well in uh, the none airplane, of their movies like, age well. Like even well, basketball. I mean, I'm just talking like the stuff in the movies that doesn't age well. Even some of that is like the white lady talking jive. I was translating ge- jive. That was literally that, what I thought when you said that. That works. It today. works because it's also making fun of a thing where it's like it's the, not the insulting. Joke, it's not like it's not making fun not of black people. It. It's 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 making fun of how like white people won't even take the effort to understand what they're saying. And so, like, you have this one lady who's like, "Oh, I speak jive," and she's like this translating little old it. Lady too, yeah. Like, it's so all prim and proper. And <laughs> but to me, the joke is in that like white people are just so fucking disconnected from black people they can't even understand what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- that joke still works today, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely jokes that don't work in that movie no. anymore. But but all the welcome to all, comedy. Age is the worst like, of any genre. All the best. Uh, all the best jokes from there aged good like uh the the chief guy being like ex- the constantly escalating like i picked the wrong day to quit amphetamines <laughs> picked the wrong he starts with like cigarettes and then it's amphetamines and then it's like pick the wrong day to quit sniffing glue <laughs> the co-pilot who's like <laughs> 
sorry. The co-pilot who is, uh, he's, like, showing Jimmy, like, the plane. And he's just like, you ever put a little bit of oil on your chest, Jimmy? And he's, like, saying all of that stuff. Like, he's so clearly, like, a predator. It's just, like, that stuff still kills me. It's probably not okay today, yeah. but still makes me laugh. I don't know. The the people lining up to slap the woman. That probably <laughs> doesn't. Because well, she's hysterical. It's also... I will say in its favor, it's making fun of a thing that was ridiculous back in the time that was a staple of movies, which was like women are so hysterical. They're just going to just it. And, you, and in order to get them to stop, you got to smack them. Yeah, smack them <laughs> right gotta, across the face. Just raise, just wham, just one real, <laughs> a real good one right in the front kisser. Pow. So, like, they're at least making fun of that. Like, actually, I think that joke ages pretty well just in that they (laughs) are making fun of a a dinosaur trope. You just lady get hit. Well, you know, we are who we are. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) That got dark. On that note. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account. You can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safer Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not-so-favorite horror films. Scary movie fans beware, or listen to Watch No Evil. News, reviews, and deep dives of the television series and film franchises you love. Take a tour of the popular media world with Biggs and Brandon on Not Safe for Network. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together, they explore the narrative, affective, and production politics of war cinema on The Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. You can find all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts. You can find all of these shows on Redwood Sound Labs.